You guys thought you were done with me for the year, but here we are. I thought I was done with you too. I thought I thought I'd be hanging out, listening, watching bowl games, sitting on the couch. But listen, things change in a COVID nineteen world with the Omicron out there, bowl games being canceled left and right. We got to be fluid. We got to be ready to play at any given situation. And so here we are on a Monday getting you ready for what, regardless of what happens, is going to be a full slate of bowl games coming your way. I mean, just look at tomorrow here on ESPN Coastal. We have four bowl games for you starting at noon. We got the Ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl 20 Auburn or excuse me number 20 Houston against Auburn. Uh, you have the first responders bowl Air Force and Louisville the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Mississippi State Texas Tech. Then of course everyone's favorite the guaranteed rate bowl West Virginia Minnesota at 10:15. That's all coming up tomorrow. But as I said, due to some cancellations, I, I gave you all my big heartfelt 2021 wrap up. Not thinking I was going to be talking to you again until 2022. But like I said. Always ready to play. Always ready to go. So we're back at it. We're going to catch up with Graham Coffee from Dog Post. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Dogs Out West. Uh, and we're going to talk about that Michigan-Georgia game coming up. That's up next. Also got a special guest coming up for you uh, in the 2.30 segment. So really looking forward to that. But we do have some news uh, around the semifinals coming up. Uh, the big news, obviously, last week, JT Daniels comes down with COVID. And when we left you last week, the reports were that George Pickens was going to be out as well, but due to a bunch of negative tests, it appears that George Pickens will be ready to go when Georgia takes on Michigan coming up on Friday. Some other news around this game as well. Georgia uh, has re-implemented a lot of things that they had going on early uh, in the coronavirus inside the pandemic, uh, mask. Obviously, the hand washing that goes without saying, but I thought it was funny that a lot of players brought that up. Uh, they said, Yeah, coach is kind of reinforcing that we need to be washing the hands, but just some social distancing stuff, limiting uh, the amount of exposure outside the team. Really, no exposure outside the team right now for the Georgia Bulldogs. They're down in Miami, locked in for this matchup coming up on Friday. And then the other big news, obviously, was Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator taking the Oregon head coaching job. And so the question became, does Kirby Smart have to now call the plays? Do you bump up Glenn Schumann and let him call the plays? Is Will Muschamp the guy who's going to take over there? News today is that Dan Lanning will be calling the plays for the Georgia Bulldogs coming up this Friday. And we spoke about this last week. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are concerned, like, hey, Dan Lanning is his head in two different places. Uh, is he really going to be able to dial up the best game plan, I'll say this. You're, you're not installing brand new plays at this point in the season on defense. Maybe one or two, but you're not getting outside of what has gotten you here as the best defense in the country, regardless of what happened uh, against Alabama, right? You're not switching that up. So even if Dan Lanning had spent the last week in Eugene, Oregon, he could still come back and call a good game on the sideline, but that's not what's happening. He's with the team in Miami. Uh, we're going to get some audio from Dan Lanning down at the Capital One Orange Bowl press conferences. But what we talked about last week was you want as many great minds in this Georgia coaching staff in these meeting rooms as possible. And so you have Kirby Smart. You have Will Muschamp. You have Glenn Schumann. And adding Dan Lanning in there, whether or not he's the head coach at Oregon, 
you want as many great defensive minds in there as possible. So I think it's nothing but a benefit for Georgia. You have the same guy signaling in uh, the plays to the backers there. So I think that's going to be a big deal coming forward. But as I said, we do have some audio uh, from these press conferences. Just bear with me on them because not the best quality audio uh, from the Orange Bowl press conferences. No, it's a little bit weird. College football semifinal figure. Those would be a little bit better. But again, uh, they had the defenders in there earlier. A bunch of guys uh, from both teams speaking, but specifically on defense. So Dan Lanning, Georgia's defensive coordinator, uh, was in there. And really the the majority of the early questions centered around bouncing back after, what, 13 weeks of thinking you are just the premier top of the pile defense. Nobody can score more than 17 points on you. And then Alabama happens. And so how do you mentally recover from that? So the first couple of clips here, uh, Dan Lanning talking about that, what the intensity has been like and how, as a unit, you recover kind of getting smacked around a little bit. Yeah, I think you have to approach it like any game that, um, that we have had this season where you go back and you try to be analytical regardless of, of the result. Um, we, we take a deep dive every single game when we're successful. We take a deep dive when we're not. Uh, and our approach didn't change after this past game. You know, I think you give a lot of credit uh, where credit's due. They did a great job against us, and I think they're left a little bit of hunger there for us, Ralph, to go back out there and get an opportunity to play again. So there you go. The, the hunger was the biggest factor. You, you get you get punched in the mouth. You can react in one of two different ways. You can kind of cave or you can let it drive you a little bit. Dan Lanning saying that's exactly what happened uh, with his Georgia Bulldogs, and I think a lot of people are hoping that's what you see is I know BJ says it all the time. Sometimes the best thing that can happen for a team is a loss. And, of course, you'd rather lose in the SEC championship than in the college football semifinals. Uh, but another question to Dan Lanning, very much of the same vein there, about how, how do you recover from a game like that mentally with a bunch of, what, 18 to 22-year-olds out there? How, how do they mentally handle a game like that where, like I said, 13 straight weeks, you think you're the premier team in college football, then Alabama hangs 41 on you? Our guys are excited to compete. I mean, every time we take the field, I don't think it matters if it's practice and we're doing team run against each other um, or if it's game day. Our guys want to go out there and uh, prove their worth. I think they've done that week in and week out this season. Uh, and, you know, and the fact that we had a hiccup doesn't affect what we want to do going forward. Luckily for us, ending that game, every single one of our goals, you know, still stands in front of us in this, this opportunity. There's four teams in the nation that get to go play. Uh, right now at this at this level. I think we recognize that opportunity in front of us and want to go take advantage of it. Again, you have a whole you have your whole goals in front of you. You don't have the SEC championship, but your entire season, all your goals was to win a national championship. All that's still in front of the Georgia Bulldogs right there. Dan Lanning uh, was also asked about what a lot of Georgia fans want to know. How are you balancing being the head coach of a major power five school while also being the defensive coordinator for a team that wants to win a national championship is in the semifinals. You know, I went out one time um, initially right after, after getting hired and really excited about what we're putting together there. Um, you know, my focus, the, the good thing, again, West Coast being three hours behind us um, is giving us the opportunity to be able to really focus on Georgia uh, early on during the day and then later on at night able to get a lot of things accomplished with our team there at Oregon. Uh, and our staff as we're piecing that together. I think very similar uh, to what happened with Kirby Smart when he took the job uh, with Georgia, still in the semifinals, still going back and coaching the defense. Uh, and I think if it seemed like Dan Lanning being there was a detriment, I, I don't think he would be there. So the fact that he's able to balance both of those uh, back and forth, 
I think it says a lot about him, and I think it says a lot about the trust Kirby Smart has in him. Dan Landers finally uh, asked about the game he has coming up, and he gave a preview on the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, Michigan plays football. You gotta give Coach Harbaugh and Coach Gaddis credit with with the way they, you know, they have running backs that can run the ball. They use uh, tight ends, like like a lot of people don't use tight ends today. You know, in some some ways similar to what our offense does. Um, they run hard mouth, uh, you know, smash mouth football plays. You know, they, they demand some physicality up front, which I know. Uh, we're excited to see, and then they have the ability to tack you downfield. So I just think they, they show tremendous balance in the way they prepare uh, in the way they play the game, and uh, it's going to be a physical football game, which I know uh, we certainly appreciate. I think you said it all right there, uh, and we've been saying this repeatedly since this matchup was announced. Georgia has hovered somewhere between being a 7.5 and, and an 8-point favorite against the Michigan Wolverines, and you're like, Michigan's number two. They beat the hell out of Ohio State and handled Iowa uh, in the Big Ten Championship. Why would Georgia be a touchdown favorite? I think it's because Michigan likes to do everything Georgia likes to do, but Georgia just does it a little bit better. And I, I think Georgia's skill guys on the outside, which you haven't been able to say this a lot in big games this year, but I think Georgia's skill guys on the outside, especially if George Pickens is healthy, are better than Michigan's. So it's a team that wants to run the football, and Michigan's has two, Michigan has two really good backs, right? They want to run the football, and then they want to hit play action off of that. thing about running the football and hitting play action is you have to be able to establish that run. Not many teams have been able to do that against Georgia. Georgia giving up just over 80 yards a game on the ground and far and away the best team defending the run over the past three seasons uh, in college football. Flip that over, Georgia's been able to establish the run, I think, around 130, 140 yards a game uh, on the ground for the Georgia Bulldogs. It's not like years past where Georgia was well over 200 yards a game, but Georgia throwing the football a lot more under this Todd Munkin system. But again, when has Stetson Bennett been at his most efficient? When you can run the football and then hit those big overshots to the Brock Bowers, to the A.D. Mitchells. Uh, you got George Pickens involved a little bit in the SEC championship game. I just think Georgia does everything that Michigan does just better. They are they are very similar teams to each other. I'd say the one thing to watch out for with Michigan, though, and I want to talk to Graham Coffey about this because I know he's he's dove into a little bit. The trick plays. Michigan isn't a team that runs the trick play once or twice a game. You could probably expect five, six, seven times during a game where you'll get a reverse. You'll get kind of a, a, a flea flicker from Michigan. They're going to take some shots against you, and they're going to try to get you to overcommit, which we've seen this Georgia defense do. One final piece of audio here. Uh, N'Kobe Dean, soon-to-be first-round pick, he was asked about the intensity around practice because there's a couple different things that go into this. Obviously, you get smacked by Alabama. At the same time, you're getting ready for a college football playoff semifinal, and you have about a month to practice there, so how does Georgia approach it? Georgia kind of went back to that camp system where you just go back to fundamentals and then because you just don't want to look at a team too early, about a week and a half, two weeks, you start getting ready for Michigan. So N'Kobe Dean was asked about Georgia's practice and how things changed following that Alabama game. You no, know, I did. Uh, I did because it's kind of like uh, when we started back practicing, it was it was um, kind of like a camp style of practice uh, when, we, when we first started back. So it was kind of uh, a new reset uh, of energy and focus. But um, I, I won't say that there was a, a fall off. Uh, even when, even before we had played. So I feel like, you know, we just got to continue to work and continue to do what we do. 
There you go. A little bit of a camp style, and then you get back into your game prep for Michigan. And Kobe Dean kind of walking you through the schedule for the Georgia Bulldogs. We're going to take a quick break here again. Graham Coffey from Dog Post is going to join us coming up in the next segment. Really dive into this semifinal coming up. Christian Gokel here on ESPN Radio. A little bonus second down this year due to some COVID bowl cancellations. But again, we have four bowl games coming up for you on ESPN Radio tomorrow. And then for the rest of the week, a full slate leading you all the way up to Friday, which will have, of course, both semifinal matchups there. We'll be right back with more right here on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. You 7.30 coming up on Friday night, Georgia and Michigan down in Miami for the Orange Bowl for a chance to go play for the college football playoff national championship to break down the matchup with us and to get the latest uh, from Georgia's health injuries. Who, who's going to be available down in Miami for the Dogs? Uh, dogs out west on Twitter. You can read his stuff on Dog Sports. Graham Coffee joining us here on Second Down. Graham, man, l- listen, I didn't think the show was going to happen, but I'm glad it did because now we get to break it down. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Well, Graham, let's just dive straight into it. You were one of the first ones really getting out there last week uh, with the news about JT Daniels, and of course with the uh, George Pickens roller coaster. Kind of update us on this status for the Georgia Bulldogs uh, as they're getting ready for Michigan. Yeah, so, you know, I know there's been a lot of things, kind of people have probably seen a lot of different headlines. So, uh, J.D. Daniels, positive for for COVID-19, uh, symptomatic, you know, kind of that's a, a pretty black and white case there. Nothing to really uh, wonder about at this point. Due to J.T. Daniels testing positive, it triggered some basic kind of tracing tests within the Georgia program. One of those was uh, his initial test came back positive, and he was put into quarantine protocol at that time. And then subsequent tests uh, proved to be negative. So the initial positive was a false positive, and Pickens was, you know, basically released back into, uh, you know, the the normal protocol. And uh, he is going through regular activities and getting ready for this bowl game, just like everyone else on the team. All right. So with George Pickens, we saw him a little bit. It was kind of weird. His, his snap count in the sec championship. And I know Kirby smart, always super careful uh, when it comes to guys coming back from injuries. But when you look at George Pickens, how many more snaps do you expect to see against Michigan than what we saw against Alabama? Uh, I think it'll be a significant uptick. I mean, he only saw 12 against Alabama and, you know, he got four targets in those 12 snaps. So, I mean, that's a really high usage rate when you look at it. But uh, I would expect to see him, you know, closer to that kind of – and this is not from any intel inside or anything like that, but just sort of uh, from what I've heard in terms of who's seeing reps and practices. And, uh, you know, I think that they're planning on him being a big part of their game plan. And I would expect to see that number – uh, double, if not triple or quadruple for the Michigan game. So one of the things uh, I know I took away from the Alabama game, I know a lot of people wanted to throw that one on the defense and then kind of lay it at uh, Stetson Bennett's feet for the, I guess, ineptitude of the offense there in the second half. But 
don't know about you. I just didn't see anyone outside of Brock Bowers really giving Stetson Bennett any opportunities down the field, uh, short routes, anything like that. Even like A.D. Mitchell, uh, the one that kind of went through his hands, it just seemed like he ran the wrong route in that situation. If you can get a George Pickens back and then kind of these few weeks to develop some of these young wide receivers, how much better do you think this offense can look going forward? I think it can look significantly better. I mean, I think it's important to remember, you know, going into this season, we expected the starting receivers to be Pickens and Burton on the outside, uh, Kyrus Jackson in the slot, and probably, you know, Darnell Washington at tight end with, with a little Brock Bowers mixed in. You know, Bowers did have a lot of hype and, and spur, you know, in fall camp and all that. But um, when you look at sort of, you know, how the season played out, those guys were dinged up and hurt. And, you know, Burton, I think, only had like 10 out of 40 practices he was able to be a part of in the lead up to that Clemson game. And so there's never really been that full arsenal of receivers out there. I think that the Orange Bowl will be the closest thing we've seen to that full kind of full set since since the start of the season. I I do think you're right about the Alabama game. You go back and look at the All-22 tape, uh, you know, I, I, you get on Twitter and it's like, oh, Stetson can't read the defense and he's sitting back there too long and he's he's not making reads, he's not making throws. And it's like, no, he's getting Stetson's getting through his progressions, but if guys aren't open, he can't throw the ball. And there was not a lot of separation in the secondary at times against Alabama. Um, I would expect to see more pickings in place of A.D. Mitchell I would expect to see more Jermaine Burton on the field. Um, you know, I mean, even Ladd McConkey, who had done a really good job of getting separation at times this season, he did not play very many snaps against Alabama. He did have the one touchdown when he was in the game. Um, so I, what I would like to see if I'm a Georgia fan is Todd Mockin and Cortez Hankton get together and say, these are our best four. These are the guys we're going to have out there. And then these are the next four, but trying to play 12 pass catchers and get them all an equal number of snaps. Uh, it's great in the sense that, you know, you can't take any one thing away if you're a defense, but the problem is that, you know, it, there's not that go-to guy that your quarterback is comfortable looking at over and over. And really all that we saw against Alabama was Brock Bowers getting like 40 something snaps and <laughs> no one else over like 20 so they, they need to figure that out for sure now looking at Michigan uh, a really good team on both sides of the ball but I think and this is what I've been saying since the matchup was announced I think two teams that want to do exactly the same thing they want to run the football then they want to hit big play actions off of running the football and then defensively uh, it starts with their front sevens they're, they're pretty good in the secondary both sides but both sides really lean on the defensive line and their linebackers uh, when you look at this game I don't know about you. I just see two teams that like to do similar things, but one of them just does it a whole lot better. I think that's a fair way to sum it up. Yeah. I mean, they're both like old school physical, you know, they, they have a, an identity in the run game type of football teams. Uh, I don't think there's a huge difference between Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett. Um, I actually think Bennett's ceiling is actually a little bit higher on his, on his very good plays maybe than, than McNamara at times, but uh, two quarterbacks that, you know, their job is to go out there and distribute and not play hero ball. Um, 
the thing, like the biggest difference in these rosters for me, Christian, is is the linebacker position, and particularly an inside linebacker. I feel like you know Georgia has an insane amount of speed there with Dean and Tyndall and and uh, Quay Walker, and Michigan really doesn't have a ton of great speed at inside linebacker, and they struggle pretty mightily in pass coverage at that position. And if you're Georgia and you have a guy in Brock Bowers who's already the best tight end in the country and, uh, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to match him up on some inside linebackers and make them pay. And I think that's a matchup you're going to see a lot of in this game. And I think that, you know, with James Cook and Kenny McIntosh and some of those running backs coming out of the backfield, there will be some opportunities there as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's that the, the middle of the Michigan defense, those inside linebackers and then uh, the safety position – there's not quite as much speed and coverage ability there as what you normally see in the SEC, and I think that's something Georgia will look to take advantage of. Graham Coffey, dogsports.com, kind enough to hop on with us here. Uh, I think the loss of Adam Anderson in the middle of the season is kind of going, I don't want to say under-talked about, but it should because obviously during the season people get injured. You lose people for a variety of different reasons. He's obviously facing really significant legal charges, but on the field, Georgia's tried to replace him in a few different ways. What have you seen? What have they really leaned on going forward as they try to replace him? Because I don't know about you, but it just seems like the the pressure percentage has gone down quite a bit since he's he's exited. No, it definitely has. And I mean, you know, they've they've tried to do a lot with Robert Beal in that position. And uh Beal is a good player. He's not a great player. He's a fifth year guy. He's been in the program, you know, he knows his assignments. He's He's doing the best he can, but he's not a future first-round NFL draft pick like Adam Anderson was. So I think with with Anderson out, uh, you know, against Tennessee, Georgia did some things with Channing Tindall on the edge and Nicobe Dean coming into that spot in certain, in certain situations and sort of using all three of those very good inside linebackers and having them on the field at once. And I think that they need to continue do, doing more of that. I also think... Uh, they need to explore a little bit with Jamon Dumas Johnson, the, the very, very talented freshman. We've seen him flash at times this year when he's been in ball games. You know, I think his first series ever as a college football player, he had the pick six against UAB there at the end of that game and played a lot more snaps against Georgia Tech, and then we didn't really see him on the field against Alabama. Uh, he's a guy that is just built differently. You know, he's built like a future NFL guy. He's a a long, lanky 6'5 frame, and he's got 4'5", 4'6 speed to go with it. And I don't know if he has, you know, a, an arsenal of pass rush moves or anything like that, but uh, just from a physical presence, Beal is getting washed out in the run game a good bit, too, at that edge. And then he's just struggling to get upfield and set the edge. And you saw some times where Bryce Young was able to escape the pocket and make some things happen because – uh, there wasn't any pressure, and there was the inability to set that right edge where Beal was in that game. And so, I, I there's too many talented guys on this roster. Yeah. Georgia's recruited the, the defensive side of the ball better than anyone in the country for five years, and someone there has got to be able to do that job better than the production they they got in that Alabama game. Well, number one, I didn't think I was going to get a built different on the show today, but I'm glad I did. Uh, but you kind of walk me in my next question, which is you have all of these extra practices uh, during bowl season, which it 
I think it's really significant, and it's why a lot of teams get excited for bowl games because you get a chance, really, it's your first practices with your 2022 team. And so you get all these extra weeks of practice. With that additional time, you get a chance to experiment with some different guys. Do you think we do see some guys we haven't seen take significant snaps get a larger role as we get into the semifinals? I think, you know, I mean, I think anytime you have a loss like Georgia did against Alabama, uh, it forces everyone to say, you know, okay, let's look at this problem that we maybe knew was a problem, but it wasn't a big enough problem for us to, to make a person. Alabama makes small problems really big problems really fast. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that's a blessing in disguise, right? Because sometimes that that forces something to happen that, maybe someone's not comfortable doing uh, without sort of that proof positive that comes from a loss like Georgia had to Alabama. So I think what you'll see is some different packages, some different pass rush designs and some different blitzes. But yeah, I, I would, I would definitely think that we will see some different things personnel wise. Um, even if it's just the same guys having different responsibilities on the field or, some small tweaks in third and long situations. I mean, I think that's the the thing that that really stood out to me when I went back over the Alabama tape a few times. It's just Georgia had Alabama in a lot of third down situations where if they had a dominant pass rusher or even a uh, significant pass rusher coming off of an edge, it they probably get off the field right. And yeah. so. You have 25 days between games. I would suspect that Georgia has tried to go and find that pass rush ability somewhere on the roster over the last four weeks. All right, just a couple more for you here. Graham Coffee again from dogsports.com. Kind enough to hop on with us here. Where, how do you see this game going? And then who do you think Georgia uh, would potentially be playing in the national championship? Um, I mean, I think that you mean the Alabama-Cincinnati game? Well, I want to know, number one, if you think Georgia's going to get there, and then, yeah, who would they be facing? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I haven't, like, I'm not quite ready to make, like, a full-on right. prediction yet. Well, who's, who is the but Orange Georgia, Bowl winner going to be playing, yeah, Georgia, I guess? Georgia should win this game. Georgia should win this football game. I'll say that. Um, you know, I'm not deep enough down the wormhole yet to say by, you know, whether that's by three points or, or 20 points, but – Talent-wise and roster-wise and, you know, ability-wise, Georgia should win this game, and Georgia should be pretty dominant on defense against this Michigan team, in my opinion. All right, and then has there ever been a like a semifinals matchup that has more meme potential than this one? Like, I can't imagine what 8 o'clock on Twitter is going to look like when you have Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart in the same game. It's two uh, two like coaches that have very polarizing personalities for sure. Right. And I mean, you know, I also just two fan bases that people love to pick on in Michigan and Georgia, um, you know, Michigan for kind of their, their false sense of piousness a little bit. And uh, Georgia just, you know, for not being able to get over the hump. So it's a great matchup, right? Like I did a a podcast with a, a, a Michigan writer last week before Christmas and, we, you know, it's just a ton of fun to to sit down and talk about kind of the cultural difference there. And in a lot of ways, these programs have mirrored each other. Um, you know, Michigan yeah. has had the kind of, kind of the tormentor in Ohio State. Georgia's had Alabama. Michigan finally broke through the wall. Georgia has yet to do so. But 
Like two schools with a lot of history, a great uniform matchup for sure. Oh, I was about to say um, that. that just an unbelievable really uniform game. matchup. Unbelievable uniform yeah. matchup. I'm excited about that one. All right, Grant, final question. Best thing you got for Christmas this year? Oh, I got a Nintendo Switch. My wife was, you know, kind enough to, there to go. be like, you know, like I'm a, a little younger than I actually am. So, uh, yeah, we've been playing lots of Mario Kart at the coffee household the last couple of days and uh, having a good time with it. Yeah, no, no, game bring, no, no game brings out the four-letter words quicker uh, than Mario Kart. Graham Coffee, dogsports.com, hopping on with us here, previewing Georgia and Michigan. You can follow all of his stuff there. Uh, at Dog Sports, or you can follow him on Twitter at Dog Out West. Graham, we really appreciate the time, and I'm glad uh, we could set this up. I mean, it stinks for the players that a bowl game had to get canceled, but you know, we're, we're just we're making lemonade here. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, enjoy the last show of the year. Knock on wood. Hopefully, it is correct. Uh, I might, no I might be texting you in a couple of days. Have like, a good hey, one, man. man. Here's the thing. Graham Coffee, DogSports.com kind enough to hop on this year we got more to come got a special guest coming up next for you guys stick around second down on espn coastal second down on espn radio is presented to you by the uniform source christian gokel glad to be hanging out with you on this monday afternoon a little bonus second down coverage like i said we're we're filling in due to some bowl cancellations so here we are our now our second last show of the year and last guest of 2021 couldn't think of a better person for it to be, I just I needed an unbiased college football opinion from an expert, and so joining us here on second down, head football coach of the Glen Academy Red Terrors, good friend of mine, Rocky Hidalgo. I so, so, parts unknown somewhere on the ocean right now. Parts, uh, you know, not on the ocean. I'm back in the marsh somewhere. But I, I tell you what, you are uh, pushing it when you say college football expert. Uh, but that's all. I do watch some games. That's all. That's that's what I got. I'll say football expert. That's why. That's why we're bringing right. on. I see the tweets when you watch big time games, and you're like, "Man, that, there is some bad defense going on out there." So, so I got to bring you on to talk about that. I I had kind of a theoretical question, which is really why I wanted to bring you on. I know you like t- getting deep with stuff, um, and I know you love beating up on the Georgia Bulldogs. So I had I had to bring you on here. Uh, quarterbacks, is it fair to have a quarterback throw the football twenty times all season? And then when you get into the biggest game of your season, expect him to be able to throw at 48. Uh, You know, I felt like, uh, you know, obviously you're talking about Georgia, Alabama, and this is nothing against Stetson Bennett. I I mean, I'm I'm not knocking him at all when I say this, but I think you you made that a quarterback game when you go out and do that. And uh, and Alabama's quarterback is probably a lot better than yours. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Georgia's really – one all year long been successful playing great defense and uh, with a physical running game um and i just felt like they kind of went away from who they are who they were in that sec championship game do you feel like as a coach because i know the way you schedule and i've talked to some other coaches about that can getting beat by a really good team actually end up being a good thing especially if you still have all your goals in front of you uh, i mean as long as you beat them the next time <laughs> you know <laughs> It, it, you know, all that stuff is fine and dandy, and that's that's great locker room talk. But at the end of the day, you know, Georgia's got to beat the University of Alabama. But really and truly, they better be worried about a lot of Georgia fans. I hear a lot of Georgia fans talking about their rematch with Alabama. They need to worry about Michigan because Michigan is, is – I didn't watch a whole lot of Michigan football until the last few weeks of the season. 
and I was really impressed with them. What's impressed you about them? I think they're really physical. I thought I thought Georgia was the most physical team all year long that I watched play, and then I started watching Michigan the last few weeks, and and uh, you know I'm not so sure. I'm not sure Michigan's not the most physical team in the in the country, and. You know, great defense, physicality travels. It goes wherever you go. I don't care the weather. I don't care COVID. That that stuff will be there. All right, other game going on actually earlier uh, than Georgia-Michigan. Alabama-Cincinnati. I want to ask you about Cincinnati. I know I uh, probably haven't watched too many Cincinnati games this year, but more so the fact that Ben talks about this all the time where maybe the talent gap between the top of some of these G5 programs and the P5 isn't as big as we think it is, and I think – Luke Fickle in Cincinnati has kind of proven that. I know you're around recruiting all the time. What do you think has been the biggest thing with a, a G5 team breaking through to the playoffs? Well, you know, I think obviously it's a, it was a matter of time. Uh, those Power 5 guys didn't want to share that money with the, the group of five conferences. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly why that hasn't, that's been, it's been the case. Um, you know, I'll say this about talent. Uh, you know, you only, you're going to play with, with 30 guys in that game or so, give or take, 30, 35 guys. Um, you know, Cincinnati is not going to have as many guys playing in the NFL probably as, as Alabama is, uh, but they can negate some of that with, with a great game plan. Um, but you're really looking at some high-end guys. It's about those high-end guys, and you kind of fill in the gaps there. I mean, people always look at talent, and they think it's this, this widespread. It, it's, it's really – you know, you've got five or six really high-end guys and then some uh, build a good team around them. You can eat with anybody. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of Cincinnati, but, uh, you know, I mean, they, they have some guys, some, some guys who are going to go off and play in the NFL. Uh, and I don't think this is as crazy as it sounds. Alabama's number one in the country, but they're probably not as good an Alabama team as we've seen. Um, so, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting opportunity for – for Cincinnati to go in there and make some waves. They'll, they'll have a lot of people rooting for them, for sure. I'd agree with you. I think it's horrifying because Alabama's the number one team in the country. Odds on favor to win the national championship, and they're going to be exponentially better next year. They got LSU, one of LSU's best corners coming in, uh, and then who else did they? They, they stole somebody. Oh, uh, Georgia Tech's best running back coming in. So Nick Saban working the transfer portal better than anyone right now. But I want to ask you about Nick Saban because – the, the more things change, and we talked about this being like the weirdest year of college football we've had since maybe 2007, the more they stay the same, Nick Saban ruling and reigning above college football. How does he do it every single year? Well, you know, and I've had a lot of dealings with him uh, over the years, uh, recruiting stuff, and some good and some bad, uh, I'll be honest with you. But, um, you know, I think the one thing about him is he's, you know, people talk about a process and all of this stuff. I think the thing that he, he does – better than anybody is he's just hyper-focused uh, on on Alabama football. I don't think he has a lot of hobbies. Uh, where I'm out on the water day fishing, uh, Nick Saban isn't taking any time to go to take a Saturday or a, a Monday off and go fishing. That's not what he does. Nick Saban's his hobby is football, and that's, that's all he does. He's kind of a robot in that respect, and I think that's what makes him unique. On top of that, he's a very intelligent guy. He's passionate about what he does. I think he has, you know, that that a crazy and I mean, it's a superpower. What it is is just the ability to to never have an off day where he shows up to work and goes, "Man, you just, I just don't feel like doing football today." I don't I don't think he ever gets that, and he probably does. 
but his off days aren't as off as other people's. He's never distracted by things. He's a guy who's just got the ability to be really hyper-focused on Alabama football. One thing I think is fascinating in here, and you actually probably coached against a bunch of these guys, uh, when you look at Georgia and you look at Cincinnati, you look at Alabama, all of them have pretty significant guys on their team that come from South Georgia. And I know uh, Georgia's always been a fertile recruiting ground, uh, but you were a guy who coached in Atlanta, and then you came down here to South Georgia. I mean, how cool is it to see these guys that you coached against? A lot of guys, I know DJ Dallas is scoring touchdowns in the NFL for Seattle, but to see a lot of these guys from South Georgia making their names on these biggest stages. Well, I mean, you want that for anybody. You want it for your kids and the guys you play against, you coach against. Um, you know, uh, some of a lot of these guys I get to know over the years um, from competing against them, and it's exciting to see them go out and have some success. Uh, I'm not one of these people that believe that my success has to come at the expense of somebody's failure. I don't right. believe that. I think uh, at the end of the day that that we can all kind of kind of get there in this business a little bit. So it's exciting to see these guys that I've competed against go out and and make a name for themselves and show out show up and compete and represent their communities. I think that's that's huge for these small towns where these guys come from. All right, final question: Who wins it all when it's all said and done? Uh you know, I, I'm going to say this, and for no other reason than I just think it's a crazy year. Um, I'm going to go with the Michigan Wolverines. I think this is a year that it's going to be a little different from everything, um, and it, for no other reason than just, I, you, you know, you can't win the SEC, can't win every year, um, and that's why I would say that. I think it's going to be a unique year. I think Michigan is going to find a way to get in there, play some great defense, and win. And, and I don't think it's a banner SEC year. All right, I think Greg Sankey would argue with the point that the SEC can't win it every year. I think he's going to do everything he can to make sure uh, they can. All right, final, final question. What's Roggy Hidalgo fishing for at this exact moment? Uh, we were, we're fishing for some sheephead right now. Getting after very it. Little, having very little luck at the moment, but we're, we're, we're trying to. All right, well, when you catch one, what does that pair well with on the dinner table? Uh, an ice cold beer and uh, maybe some, uh, maybe some uh, uh, beans and rice. There we go. You can't beat it. Rocky Adalgo, head football coach of the Glen Academy Red Terriers. Final guest for us here on second down in 2021. Coach, we appreciate it, man. Have some fun out there. No worries. Go get them. All right. We got more to come here on second down. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up today's show, get you ready for three and out coming up next. I'll be completely honest. I wasn't mentally or physically prepared for the show today, but we got through it together. Did not, did not, oh, I shouldn't say I didn't eat well. I ate very well over Christmas, but probably should have, you know, thrown a few green items onto the plate, but we're going to get through this together, and we got a whole lot of bowl games coming your way. I mean, just look at tomorrow. Four bowl games. You got the Birmingham Bowl coming up. Auburn and Houston kick it off for you there at noon tomorrow. Then you have the First Responder Bowl, Air Force and Louisville. That one coming up at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Then you have the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State and Texas Tech. That should be a fun football game. And when I as soon as I say it should be a fun football game, watch the score is going to be like 23 to 10, some NFL score that, you know, we're not looking for. If you if you want to see a game where you can absolutely bet the under, look no further than the Cheese It Bowl, Clemson and Iowa State. What I think's funny about that one, and that one's coming up on Wednesday. What I think's funny about that one is beginning of the year, if you had said Clemson and Iowa State were playing each other in the in a bowl game, a lot of people would say it's probably either the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl, and they're playing 
and the Cheesehead Bowl. So, so many awesome bowl games coming up. Glad I got to hop back on here one more time in 2021. I say that now. I could be talking to you later this week. Who knows? Stay tuned. But we do have a ton of bowl games coming back up for you guys. Glad I could hop back on here one more time in 2021. If everything goes the way it's supposed to go, I will talk to all of y'all in 2022. If not, who knows? You could be hearing from me sooner rather than later. Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio.